Property Talk on the Tyne. Investment tips, stories and exciting guests with your host, Tony Fares. Hello and welcome to today's episode. So in the last episode, we discussed why you need to ask yourself why you're actually investing in property. Because it is very important, and if you don't do so, you'll end up buying the wrong sort of properties that do not match your final goal. So once you've settled on the why, the next important thing is to find out which strategy is going to help you actually meet those goals. So let's be honest, it can be pretty scary deciding which strategy is right for you, but it is important that you spend some time considering this, because if you pick the wrong one, then like I say, you're going to end up with a portfolio of properties that aren't necessarily what you want. So there are a number of different strategies I would suggest that you research or read up on, and I would suggest you read up on each one separately, because each has their merits, their pros, and their cons. And like I say, property isn't all one size fits all, and the strategy you decide to follow will often be determined by your own financial situation. So your level of experience, and your own goals and ambitions. And not to mention the amount of free time that you actually have as well. So to give you an overview of different investment strategies, I'm going to give you a brief overview of the main ones that are often considered. So let's start with property flips. Now, everybody loves a property flip, don't they? You buy a property, you spend some money getting it up to a standard, and you sell it on to someone else. So with this strategy, you're going to take a property that is often in a really, really bad state of repair, and you're going to make it into a home for someone to be proud of. Now, by carrying out substantial works, you'll often increase the property price, and you'll often increase it enough to create a profit for yourself. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, they call that. So it sounds so easy, but it isn't. And let me tell you, it's not as easy as it looks. Now, in the Northeast, a typical flip project can probably generate you Anywhere from kind of £15,000, maybe up to £50,000. Now, you do need quite large sums of money to get involved with flips because you need deposits to buy the properties. You need a full refurbishment budget, typically. And you need to be able to cover the voids on the property, which is typically a bridge in finance or some sort of mortgage product for the time that the property is empty. So you've got to consider all of that. Now, we are going to be going through these strategies in a lot more detail in further episodes, but I'm just going to touch on them briefly today so that you can go away and do your own research. So the next strategy, and probably my favorite, is buy to let. So I know good old buy to let, nice and nice and stable investment, typically. Uh, not a lot to them in the grand scheme of things from a complexity point. So definitely up there is one of my favorites. So With this strategy, you usually buy a property that's already in a good habitable condition. And you want to buy one that's ideally located for shops, uh, employers, schools and transport links. So that you appeal to a large number of people who can't afford to buy a house right now. Now, this, in my opinion, is the lowest risk strategy there is. And a good buy to let in the northeast can net you in probably minimum around about £250. And that's for an investment out your own pocket of around about twenty to thirty thousand pounds. Now, definitely bank beaten returns, and definitely worth consideration. Now, the downside here is you do need to make sure that you pick a relatively good area. Now, it doesn't have to be the best area, but you do want people who want to live here. Now, these 
properties normally rent to maybe working tenants or professionals and they're often let on a six or a 12 month basis um, or tenancy but what you also should consider is you can't discriminate and you must also consider housing benefit tenants here um, if you ever decide to cash in then you know you can normally sell these on um, as they will appeal to a number of people now you're going to sell these properties on to homeowners investors first-time buyers and the like. So if you want to cut your teeth and get started and have relatively small risk in the grand scheme of things, then Bytel is a great option. Now, what a lot of people tend to move on to once they've done a Bytel letter, or like I say, two or three of those, they tend to get enticed by houses of multiple occupation. Now, this strategy is similar to Bytel but the key difference being, instead of letting to a single household, sorry, single person or a single family, you let the property to three or more people who are not from the same household. Um, an example of this would be a student-let HMO. We all know students live on campus year one, but year two, they want to get out there and share with their mates. So in this instance, you're probably going to have four or five students renting a house and they're going to share common areas such as the kitchen, the lounge and the bathroom. And between them. Um, Sorry, that between them, that they're the areas that they're going to actually share. Um, now, going on to the other types of HMOs, there are actually professional HMOs. Now, in this instance, you're probably going to find a house nearby to a hospital or something along those lines, and you're going to aim to rent it out to, say, nurses or doctors. And it might be the same as the student letting, that it might be a four or five bedroom house. Um, now, what you need to consider here is the strategy is more complex than by the lets, uh, is you have multiple tenants in one property, and therefore you have multiple issues. Now, these investments are tough at a sell in a buy the let, as these properties don't typically appeal to first-time buyers or homeowners, as they've been renovated for a specific purpose. And let's say, for example, one of the big things that you tend to find why these don't sell on to a homeowner and they sell to an investor is they typically have ensuite bathrooms in many cases. So no family's going to buy a house with five ensuite bathrooms, one living room and a you know a kitchen diner. They're going to want separate bathrooms probably. Um, another one and one that's proved really popular for 2021 and I think it's going to be a great one going forward from 2022 onwards is holiday lets or serviced accommodation. Now, again, a bit like HMOs, how they have different tenant mixes, you have the same with Holiday Let or SA. Now, this strategy covers a number of property types. Now, that could be from city centre apartments aimed at stags and hens through to holiday homes aimed at family holidaying um, or a cookie through to a, you know, a four-bedroom home for a team of tradesmen to share. So with an SA unit... Um, as they're known, you are actually letting the property out on a short-term basis. And you've got to consider the person staying there is a guest rather than a tenant. Now, think of a home away from home instead of living in a hotel room while you're visiting another city. That's the sort of way we're looking to, to do the SA side of things. Now, guests here will book anything from maybe one night stay through to a six-month stay. Now, it all depends where they're visiting, whether they're visiting family in your city for a day or maybe they're here for an extended period of time working. Or potentially they might have an issue in their own home. They might have had a flood. And insurance might have put them up for a temporary 
probably for a month or two while things get sorted now, because you have more, more let's say, administration or more hassle potentially, then you warrant a higher return. Now, the returns with this strategy are higher than a buy-to-let, but what you need to consider is a buy-to-let income will be relatively steady because the rent's paid on time every month. But with a holiday let, the income can be volatile and it can vary dramatically. Now, let's consider the holiday let, for example, on SA. Now, you may not get as many bookings in the, as the winter as you may in the summer. So that's one to consider. Now, this is an area that I'm going into this year. And I'm not just going to use this as an asset. It's also going to be something that I'm going to use for my own occupation. So I'm going to take my dogs away to my holiday let. So kindly get a two for one um, on this one. You get an asset, but you also get somewhere that you can go and use yourself, which saves me spending my own money going places, which is always nice because then I can put that towards buying more properties. <laughs> um, now, another one and one that I haven't really what. I haven't really entered this market myself, although I did work in this line, is commercial property. Now, the easiest way to think of this strategy is it's very similar to buy to let, but the difference is, yeah, your person who's occupying the property isn't a tenant, they're actually a business. Now, let's say, for example, you would buy a shop or an office or an industrial unit, and you would rent it to a business for a rental income. Now, unlike a buy to let where the rent's typically paid you know, monthly. With a commercial property, the rent is typically paid quarterly in advance. And where a buy-to-let residential would be a six or a 12-month tenancy st standard, you're looking at usually a period of between three to 20 years. So, you know, a lot more security of tenure or security of the income there, arguably. Now, one of the points that should be noted with commercial tenancies is you can also put the maintenance responsibilities onto the tenant. So, for example, you can do something called a full repair and an insurance lease where it's the tenant's responsibility to maintain the building. Now, this could be useful if you're a hands-off investor, and it could also prove to be economicable. Blah, blah, blah. Economicable. Economical. God, I can't say that. So, the legislation around commercial lets is far more complex than buy the lets and HMOs, way more complex than holiday lets, and it should only be considered where you probably have professional advisors on hand. Don't jump in and buy something commercial. Um, my biggest concern with buying a rental property is how long these can be empty. Now, when we took our current shop that our estate agency is in at the moment, um, there's actually a shop down the road that we looked at, and the landlord of that property didn't want to do a short letter six months. He was looking for a long-term tenant, and four and a half years on, it's actually still empty. Now, that horrifies me the amount of lost income that that guy's must have had is crazy and based on that guy's you know example it doesn't seem profitable to me at all so you've got to really consider you know what you're doing when it comes to commercial property you know buying something on northumberland street in the main shopping parade in newcastle and letting that out to marks and spencers it's going to be a little bit different to buying a property on a tertiary parade or a secondary parade, you know, your local sort of shops and renting it to a barber because they're not going to have the financial power behind them to maintain the tenants in some instances. And you might have to look for replacement tenants. But it's the same thing as when you do doing buy to let. If you do your due diligence, you can ensure you get a good tenant. And if you get the right tenant, it can be like gold. So you can't have a 20 year let to someone and no worry about void periods.
Now, there is more complex kind of aspects to property investment and strategies. Now, these are the main ones that I would consider as maybe a beginner or a, or an intermediate investor. Um, maybe the commercial is probably more aimed at advanced investors, potentially, or experienced investors. There is also planning and development. Now, with planning and development, um, there's a couple of different strings off to this. So one of them could be, for example, you know, let's say when the smoking ban came in, a lot of old pubs were coming up for sale and, you know, they were being bought or being renovated and let out the Sainsbury's or a little Tesco's. Or in some instances, they'll find themselves converted into residential apartments. Now, you know, it can be very profitable. But again, a little bit different to a flip where you might spend 10, 15, 20,000 pounds on a house. You could convert a pub and potentially spend 200,000 pounds renovating that. So, you know, the numbers that you're talking are substantially bigger. And with that comes the added risk. There is also strategies within planning and development, such as profit gain from planning. So that's where you buy a plot of land that has no planning permission. You find a use that the council is happy to have on that site. And you go out there, you, 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 know, you bring on board architects and you get construction drawings and you submit to the council and let's say you take the empty plot of land and say, I'd like to put four flats on there or five houses or whatever it may be. And you may look to sell those on, not develop them yourself, just sell them on as a, a site to maybe a builder. If you wanted, you could take that one step further. Now, you know, in terms of doing it for planning gain, you're just going to buy the land, get the plan, and then sell it on. That's where you realize your profits. Now, what you could do is you could take that a step further, and you could actually get the development finance, build out the development yourself, and sell those on, or maybe you could even refinance them and keep them to let. So there's multiple different strategies that be considered. Um You've got to really be careful that you don't end up getting into the wrong strategy. You know, if you're really undecided, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to give you some advice based on your own personal circumstances. But if in doubt, um, go down the buy to let route and buy something that you would be happy to live in in an area that you would also be happy to live in. And I mean, if you stick to that rule, you know, 99 times out of 100, you probably can't go wrong providing the property's in good condition. So strategies is a big thing to consider when you're getting started. First tip, get your why nailed down. Why exactly are you investing? Second thing to do before you spend a penny is look into what strategy you're going to utilize. We don't want you putting your money into HMOs and then finding you've got three or four of them and you've got 20 tenants chasing you every month for different maintenance issues or because boilers have gone off. You might be better with three or four by the let, for example. It might be that you, you know, you're experienced in you know, I don't know, project management, for example, from your own, you know, role at work. It might be the planning gains, the strategy for you. Property is not one size fits all. So don't do what your friend does or Joe blogs your neighbor or your mate from the pub. Pick what works for you. Ignore the hype, ignore the bullshit from all these gurus online. Do what works for you and nobody else. Hope you've had a great episode and you're enjoying the start of the year. We're going to be back with more episodes. Next one's going to be around some strategies, I think. We're going to focus on each individual one, and we're going to nail down the pros and the cons of each strategy. I might give you some examples of properties that I bought myself that use those strategies, just so we can look at those from a numbers point. Any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Have a great day, and thanks for listening. Bye-bye. 
Property Talk on the Tyne. Investment tips, stories and exciting guests with your host, Tony Fares.